You're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. All right, good morning, church family. Sounds like you guys are doing good. We've got a lively bunch this morning. I love it. Um, and I'm going to need your help this morning as we uh, go into the message. You've got you to gotta keep that liveliness going on while I'm speaking, okay? All right, cool. Um, we're going to start out with this one. Um, settle. That's not like, a, that's not like a, a command, but just say that word with me. Settle. Settle. Um, I like all of the different forms and, and meanings that this word can take. Um, and you should go look it up. It's, it's pretty interesting. Um, ju- and just think to yourself for a moment, uh, what comes to mind, just in your, in your own thoughts, um, what comes to mind when you hear that word, settle? Now, if, if you're a parent, uh, Luke is exactly right. With, with young kids, with boundless amounts of energy, you might be thinking, settle down, right, with kiddos. Uh, or maybe if you're a young adult, uh, you're thinking about settling down, Right? Um, I want to settle down someday, start a family, have some kids, grow old with my spouse. And in some ways, there, there is a lot of expectation with the word settle, if you think about it. Right? When people came um, from overseas to America for the first time, and they started their new lives here, the communities that they lived in were called what? Settlements. And everyone's understanding of the settlement was that there was more to come, expectation, right? That the settlement was the, sort, uh, was the start of something greater, that they would have to grow from a settlement into a town, into a city, right? And so much more would come from that, that starting point, expectation. Or if you're a fan of the board game Settlers of Catan, yeah. and I know there are some here, uh, then you know... <laughs> That when you place your first settlement on the board, it can't stay that way. I can have a whole other message just on that one line right there, right? When you lay your first settlement down, it can't stay that way. You've got to get to work. Uh, You've got to find your resources so that you can transform that settlement into a city. Because if you don't, you're going to lose, right? You're just going to lose. That's the way it goes. Expectation. Um, But there's also a duality to this word settle. Because while it can carry positive meanings of expectations, uh, it can also carry negative meaning too. Because I think a lot of people do have that dream of settling down and starting a family, right? Finding that godly man or woman who's funny, attractive, right? They can make a living for themselves, uh, will be a good parent and a good kisser. That's probably a good plus as well. But the years go by, and it seems like the good prospective spouses are hard to come by these days. So that dream of settling down, get this, turns into just settling, right? And you start thinking, man, God, send me somebody, right? I don't care at this point. They don't have to have a job, right? I will take anyone. Just send me somebody that's alive and breathing, right? The expectation is gone, and you've resigned to settling. 
Or maybe you finish high school or college and you have that entrepreneurial spirit and you have lots of ideas. Like one of your goals is to go on Shark Tank, right? Um, to to uh, ideas to produce business and products and a source of income for you. But the years go by and you realize it's way harder than I even thought. So at this point, I'd rather just settle for any job that comes my way, right? So I can pay the rent, so I can eat some food. The expectation is gone and you've resigned to settling. Or maybe you believe that God had big and miraculous plans and purposes for your life. He gave you dreams of ministry and serving the people around you. You believe that God would move in your life. He would do things in your life and he would do things through you and the world around you. But over the years... You haven't seen a whole lot of that. Not much has happened in your life spiritually. You feel like maybe you've grown stagnant or you've settled. And at this point, you're like, God, just, I don't care what you do. Do something. Show me that you're still there, that you still hear me. Right, today, I want to talk to those of you who feel like you've settled in life and not necessarily in the most positive, expectant way. Today's message is a message for those of you um, who've lowered your expectations of what God can do in your life. And my hope today is that through this message, God would revive some of that expectation in your life again, and not just meet your expectations, but do exponentially more than you could even imagine, right? And the bottom line, the overall point of the message today is this, you have no idea what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. You have no idea what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. And today we're going to look at a couple in the Bible uh, named Abraham and Sarah who had to learn this truth for themselves. Um, And through their story, I believe God is going to meet each one of us right where we are in our space. Um, And God's going to not only meet our expectations, but exceed them exponentially. So if you're ready for God to do that this morning, uh, would you just say with me, amen. 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 Awesome. And God, that is our prayer this morning. We pray that you would meet us in this place right where we are. God, we know that we don't have to come to you cleaned up, prepared, right? We don't have to come to you with our lives together, but God, that you meet us right where we are. And God, I know that some of us are struggling. God, I know that some of us, our faith is small at this point. I know there are people in this room who have settled, but God, I know you are bigger than that. And all of us pray today that you would meet us right where we are and show us just everything that you have for us this morning and in our lives. God, so meet us here today. We look forward to what you're going to do in this place. And we say all these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, let's open up our Bibles uh, to the book of Genesis. Uh, That's an easy one, right? Just get past the table of contents, and there you are. Um, The book of Genesis, you can, we're okay, like, with bringing your phone out. You can do that here at this church. Um, So you can look at your digital Bible. Uh, If you don't have a Bible and want one, we've got one on the back table at the entrance. Take it. It's yours, free. Um, Mark it up. Do whatever you want with it. Um, So we're going to look at, uh, let's talk about Abraham and Sarah this morning. 
Now, originally, these two, their, their names were Abram and Sarai, but God changed their names, right? I guess God can do that. Um, and Abram, Abraham and Sarah, they had a dream, right? A dream like a lot of young couples do to have children, to have kids. But unfortunately, they couldn't conceive, right? And we know that in the story, Sarah, she, she was barren, right? She just, she couldn't have children, right? And, and whenever you want kids and can't conceive, it's, it's devastating. Um, and maybe some of you have been there before, right? And, and during that time, it seems like everyone you know is getting pregnant but you, right? Pregnancy is all around you. All of the gender reveals are showing up on your Instagram and Facebook feed all at once, all at the same time, right? You're doing everything you can to get pregnant, but nothing is happening, right? Everyone else is getting pregnant, but not Abraham and Sarah, and they're, they're devastated, you can imagine. And then God shows up in their life, right? And God speaks to them, it challenges them to take this massive step of faith. And it's recorded in Genesis chapter 12. So you can start making your way there. Um, and I want to summarize what happened in Genesis chapter 12. And then we're going to jump to Genesis 15. Because in Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And then another time, God says, you're going to be the father of many nations. So Abraham and Sarah hear this and they grab a hold of this incredible promise of God, right? They're thinking, we're going to be parents, right? We thought that was impossible, but it's going to happen, right? This is what we've been waiting for. So just imagine that they start picking out baby names because that that's what you do when you're expecting, right? It's going to be this if it's a boy. It's going to be that if it's a girl, right? And then you're scrolling through Pinterest looking uh, for the best nursery ideas. If it's a boy, it's going to be Star Wars, obviously. Um, and if it's a girl, it's going to be My Little Pony, or it could be Star Wars too, right? Little girls can like Star Wars. Um, Sarah's so excited that she sits down, and in one day, she reads what to expect when you're expecting, right? All, just, she just soaks it all in, cover to cover, right? They're planning their own gender reveal on social media, whatever that looked like back in Abraham and Sarah's day, um, because they're so excited to share with everyone what God has promised them and what God is going to do in their lives. Right, so, so the month comes to an end, and they're, they're waiting, and perhaps this is the month that they're pregnant. But no, okay, not pregnant this month. And that's okay, right? If you've tried before, you know it, it can take some time, right? So uh, next month, that'll be the month that, the next month comes around, still nothing happened, not, not pregnant yet. Again, these things take time, right? Maybe God is just giving us more time to prepare uh, for this little one that's going to come into our life. So we're going to keep believing. God promised it. We're not giving up. And then the next month, for sure, it's going to happen. But not the third month, not the fourth month, not the fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth, right? This is a message for those of you who have lowered your expectations of what God might do in your life. So Genesis 12, God makes this promise. And then we jump to Genesis 15. And in verse 1, where we're going to start reading together, uh, this is what we read. Verse 1, after these things, and let's stop right there. What things, right? 
Uh, well, a lot has happened and a lot of time has gone by between chapters 12 and 15. Um, and to make that even more clear, some translators, maybe in your Bible, it says sometime later, right? Now, we don't know exactly how much time has passed between chapters 12 and 15, um, but we know at least by certain timestamps throughout the chapters that it's at least been a decade, 10 years. So let that, that amount of time sink into your head for a moment. Um, some scholars even say that it was way more than 10 years, but we know at least 10 years have gone by. All right, so verse 1 again. After these things, or sometime later, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. There's that promise again. Verse 2. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And he finishes the verse talking about how he's going to have to give his possessions to someone who's not even related to him because he doesn't have a son. So Abram is like, God, you, you promised me great reward, but what use is this reward if I can't hand it down as a legacy, as, as, as a, uh, possessions to my future generations? Right? I, I can't pass on those things because there's no heir. Right? There's no uh, children of my own blood to hand them down to when I die. So sometime later, at least a decade has passed, a decade or maybe more of what appears to be unfulfilled promises and unrealized expectations. Month after month, just imagine Sarah's pain in this, at least 120 disappointments in that time. Right, where are you, God? Why aren't you doing what I thought you would do? And some of you are, are here today and you have your own version of this story, your own version. I don't know what it is, but I know that you have goals. I know you have dreams. I know that for some of you, God has given you incredible promise. Right? God, I know you're gonna help us pay off that, that last credit card, right? You're, you're gonna do it, I believe it. But a year goes by and you're in way more debt than you started out with. Right? Where are you, God? God, I know you're going to hear my prayer. I believe and know that, that God, you're going to save my dad. But a year goes by and your dad is way meaner than before, not even close to coming to faith in Jesus. Or God, I know that this is my last Christmas single. Right? I know that by next year, I'm at least going to be dating someone who I see as a potential spouse. Last Christmas alone. But the next Christmas comes along and you haven't even been within 10 feet of someone remotely attracted to you. <laughs> and it might cause you to say, where are you, God? Or whatever you're going through. Right? Where are you, God? D did I hear you incorrectly? Are you still there, God? Are you listening? Did you forget me? You see, for, from Abraham's point of view, after at least a decade has gone by, nothing has happened. Right? There was a promise and a whole lot of time, but no evidence of God making that promise come true. And instead of being a father of many nations, you can kind of speculate or believe that, that Abraham got to the point of being, you know what? Forget about the, generation, the nations thing. Right? Just give me one son just one. Right? That's all I want. 
But let me remind you, church family, you have no idea what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. And this message is for those who've lowered your expectations of what God might do in your life. Right, and part of the reason why I'm sharing this message, I'm going to take a little bit of a hard turn here, but it'll make sense, all right? Uh, but part of the reason why I'm sharing this message in between series is because uh, next week we're going to start a five-week series on generosity and what it looks like to live a blessed life. But it's going to look a little bit different um, in that I am not going to preach this series. Um, the series is called The Blessed Life. Uh, unlocking the rewards of generous living, and it's by a pastor named Robert Morris. Uh, Robert Morris is a, a pastor in my motherland, Texas, and um, he, unlike any other pastor that I've heard, has a gift for speaking about generosity and what that looks like. An incredible gift, right? Um, and, and what we're going to do is instead of me preaching just his notes, we're just going to show the video of him preaching that, right? I know that's different than what we're used to, right? But, but listen, um, because when he first uh, preached this series and recorded it, that's actually what he did. He said, hey, if you want to listen in, I will simulcast this to your church, um, and I'll, I'll just preach it for you. Pastor, you can take a break, whatever, right? Um, but that's what he did all over the world. Um, and this isn't just something I'm doing, um, but pastors all over the nation and presumably all over the world have done this series in this way. Pastors of small churches that I know and respect have done it this way. Pastors uh, who are my friends, who pastor mega churches, have done it this way because they, they realize the gift that Robert Morris has in speaking about generosity. Um, and one of my, my friends in Phoenix, his name is Pastor Ryan Visconti. Shout out if you're listening to the podcast. Probably not, but that's okay. Um, but he, he pastors one of the fastest growing churches in the nation. Um, he, he is a multi-site church. He's a gifted speaker. He obviously knows what he's doing, but even he took his church through this series by just showing the videos. And, and every single Sunday, he would play the video, sit up on stage, take notes um, for all five of his services. And next week, we're going to start the same series. We're still going to have worship. All right, we're still going to have prayer. We're still going to have community. We're going to have communion, Right? The only thing that's going to be different is that we're going to show a video of another pastor speaking, okay? Um, and I say all of this because I know for some, you're thinking, like, why would I come to church for that when I can be at my home in my jammy jams, like, watching this on YouTube, right? And that's absolutely true. You can do that. But you can't get the person sitting next to you or across the aisle right? You can't get the community, the, the amazing worship that God leads us into. You can't get the fellowship, the serving your brothers and sisters in Christ like you can right here. You can't get that at home, right? So, so that's my first response to that. And the second part is that this message series, this message today is for those of you who have lowered your expectations of what God might do, right? Just because we're watching a video of someone else preaching, doesn't mean that God can't show up and move in your life, right? I promise you, if you come over the next five weeks and you come expecting, I believe that God's gonna uh, exceed your expectations. I believe it. And I say this in part by faith, right? 
but also in part by the countless testimonies I've heard of other pastors, other churches going through this, of how their churches have changed their mindset and understanding of generosity, and in turn, it's changed their lives, right? Not just pastors saying this, but their people saying, man, I never thought of it this way. Um, so starting next week, come expecting, and I believe God's going to meet you in that, and so much more. Amen? And you know what? Some of us need these messages that we're going to go through on generosity because some of us have lowered our expectations of what God can do through our generosity. You guys are some of the most generous people I've ever met. Y'all are amazing, and I applaud you and the way you build the kingdom through your generosity. And you give, you serve, you sacrifice, but I know that sometimes you can feel like you're not having much of an impact. You've lowered your expectations of what God can do. But I believe that through this series, God's going to elevate that. God's going to elevate it, right? Because when it comes to faith, when it comes to life, when it comes to, to God's blessings and generosity, we, we tend to think addition, right? Addition, right? We think, God, add to my life. We tend to think addition, but don't miss this, right? Our amazing God always thinks in terms of multiplication. And if you know math, basic math, you know that addition and multiplication are very different, right? Think about when you invest your money. Are you thinking addition? No, you're thinking multiplication, right? Exponential growth, right? And, and if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, well, we're there today, and you look at Adam and Eve, what was the first thing that God told Adam and Eve to do? Did he say, hey, you know, have a couple kids. We'll have a nice little quaint family right here on this earth. No, he gave my favorite commandment. He said, be fruitful and multiply, right? We're going to have lots of babies. We're going to pack this planet out. <laughs> Jesus even said that, that a sower, right, a man who goes out and plants seed, right? Not one of his seeds, right? One of his seeds didn't just produce a single return on a single seed invested. No, Jesus said some seeds produced a harvest of 30 times return, just one seed. Some of those seeds produced 60 times the return, and some even 100 times the return. A single seed planted had an exponential multiplying return. You have no idea what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. Right? So, so Abraham and Sarah, they wanted a son. A decade passed and they didn't see a thing. And I know some here have been praying for something and nothing's happened yet. You've been believing that God would do something in your life. That God would, would hear your prayer, hear the cry of your heart. You've been believing that God would bring a miracle into your life, that God uh, would, would change something or move upon someone in your own life, that God would make a provision, and you've been praying and believing, but nothing has happened. I know that's true for some of us here today. Right? And we're thinking, God, where are you? I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Well, I want to tell you that just because you don't see anything doesn't mean that God isn't working in your life. Amen. Right? And I want to say that again because I know we've all heard that before. I've said it myself from this platform. And I know even now there are some of you who have lowered your expectation of what that phrase even truly means. So I want to say it again. Just because you don't see anything happening 
doesn't mean that God isn't moving in your life. Right? Because a seed planted in the ground, a physical seed planted in the ground, you don't see what's happening under the ground. Right? You've got no idea what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. And Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church, uh, he, he shares his testimony of how he came to faith in Jesus. How on a college campus many years ago, there was a, a group known as the Gideons, if you're familiar with the Gideons, um, that helped him come to faith in Jesus. Now, the Gideons are those people that take those little green or orange New Testament Bibles and they place them in all of the hotel rooms, right? Um, but they also go to college campuses and hand out Bibles to people, like to whoever will, will take one. And Craig Rochelle happened to be one of those people. And later on in life, Craig was able to interview the Gideons and he asked them right, about their method for going out and, and handing out the word of God to people. And he said, um, tell me what you think about when you go out and, and do your thing. And one of the volunteers said, I see it as like planting seeds, as sowing seeds. Right? You never know if a seed is going to go into good ground or bad ground. But you continue to plant seeds, believing that some will take root at some point. And the volunteer continued uh, saying, I simply pray every single time I go out, God, may one seed bear good fruit and multiply. And what's so powerful about these volunteers is they simply hand a Bible and then walk away. They never, probably never see the fruit that comes from that. And that's pretty powerful. And Craig Rochelle happened to be one of those people many years ago. Right? One of the Gideon volunteers handed him a Bible. And through reading that small New Testament, he came to faith in Jesus. And one day, Craig started a church, became a pastor, and people came to know Jesus through that church. And the, the church started to grow and multiply to now what now many people consider the largest church in the world. He's got campuses all over the country. And, and at one point, they decided to develop an app when apps first became a thing on smartphones. Uh, and they developed uh, a Bible app. And it was originally supposed to be intended just for internal use for their church. Um, but one of their people was like, how about we sell this thing for 99 cents on the app store? We will kill it if we do it. But Craig responded saying, um, I came to faith through Jesus by someone giving me a Bible for free. So we're gonna give it away for free. Fast forward to today, and because of his church's generosity, because of the innovation of Craig's team and his staff, because of the blessings of God, the YouVersion Bible app has been downloaded and given away for free over 330 million times. You probably have it on your phone right now or on your tablet, right? right? It's, it's the, the Bible app that is most downloaded on any app store. And church family, that's multiplication, not addition. You have no idea what God can produce through a single seed planted in faith, right? Like a seed in the ground. You don't see it necessarily working. But what we often forget is that God is still sending the sun. God is still sending the rain, right? God is working through that. And just because you don't see anything break up from the ground doesn't mean that things aren't happening 
right? Because eventually that seed will break and something wonderful will grow out of the ground. But long before you ever see that, God's got to cause it to take root first. And those roots are growing, they're expanding, they're spreading, right? They're becoming solid in preparation for something amazing to emerge. So what grew, what roots, groots, right? Maybe groots are growing in your life. Um, <laughs> what roots, what roots are growing in your life right now that you can't see, right? What work is God doing in your life that you can't see in preparation for something amazing to happen in your life, right? You have no idea what our God can produce through a single seed planted in faith. And Abraham and Sarah, they had a similar problem that many of us have. He had a very limited perspective, very limited perspective. And when we get to chapter 15, and Abraham is crying out to God, right? Talking about what he can't see and what he doesn't have. Where is Abraham? Well, we know from verse 5 that Abraham, he's, he's in his tent. He's in his tent. I'll, I'll show you what that's like. It's so true. For all of you who are listening on podcast, I'm in a tent right now, <laughs> right? But, but Abraham, right, he's in his tent, and he has this limited perspective of the world around him, right? And he's telling God what he can't see, which is kind of funny whenever you have this perspective, this, this image right here, right? God, I don't see you working. I don't see anything happening, God. You told me all of that many nations stuff, and I don't even have a son yet. Where are you, God? Right? And can any of you relate to that? God, I'm not married yet. And I don't know if you've noticed, but my clock is ticking. And I don't know if you've noticed the people I work with. Not going to happen. God, I'm buried in debt doing this stupid job that's way beneath me. There's no way I'm going to get out of this. God, the report came back, and it's not looking good. Are you paying attention to me? I mean, this is serious, God. I don't see you anywhere. God, you're not doing what I wanted or expected. And here, this church family, I got to get out for this. If all you desire in your life is for God to simply meet your expectations, then you will not let him exceed your expectations, right? If all you want in your life is for God to just meet your expectations, you're limiting him on exceeding your expectations, right? And let's be honest, real honest. Some of us have lowered our expectations of what God can do, right? So Abraham is in his tent. And he's talking to God right, crying out to God, telling God what he doesn't see, what he doesn't have. And then in verse 5, let's throw it up on the screen. Verse 5 of Genesis 15, we read this. And the Lord brought him outside. And that is so good. The Lord brought him outside 
of the tent. Outside of this limited perspective he had, right? The Lord meets Abraham right where he is in his tent and his limited perspective of the world around him and takes him outside. And I feel that that's part of my job as your pastor, right? Is to help you get outside of your limited perspective and show you everything that God has for you, right? So God brings Abraham outside, verse 5, the rest of it. God says, look toward heaven. And you can imagine back there, right? No light pollution or anything like that had to have been beautiful, beautiful. I look toward the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said to them, to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham's in his tent. God, you haven't given me a son yet. But the Lord takes him outside and says, count the stars. Right? Can you even count them? probably gets to like a thousand. It's like, I give up. I lost track. I got to start all over again, right? And you can also picture him maybe just in awe and wonder of the sky above him, maybe <laughs> fallen to his knees, shaken up, silence, startled even, and conviction beginning to settle in his heart. And Abraham saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was thinking addition when you were thinking multiplication. Or get this, I was thinking a son when you were thinking generations, wow. right? And what I hope you'll understand, church family, is that when God took Abraham outside to see the stars, the countless numbers that would be his descendants, what I hope you will understand is that you were one of those stars. You were one of them, right? Do you understand that? That you are a seed of Abraham, and a fulfillment of God's promise in his life. I was listening to a podcast this week uh, where Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, the kind of well-known celebrity astrophysicist, um, he's got a show on National Geographic, uh, but he was being interviewed. Um, and he said that when he looks up at the stars, he, has, he feels this amazing connection to them. Now, he's not a believer. He's not a follower of Jesus. I don't think he is. Um, but in his understanding of how life came to be, Right? He believes that all of the atoms required for life to exist were contained in the stars. And at some point, those atoms spread out and collided, and eventually that became life. So when he looks up at the stars, he feels this deep connection to them, which I thought, man, that's actually kind of beautiful when you think about it. That's a wonderful perspective. But as followers of Jesus, we also have a connection to the stars, but for a very different and a much better reason. Because when God told Abraham to look up at the heavens, God was thinking of you, and he was thinking of me, right? of everyone who had come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, right? the many children of Abraham. And there's a Bible verse about that right? And there's a song too, and you probably know the song, but we're going to do the Bible verse first, all right? Um, but in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, Paul writes this. He says, and if you are Christ's, so identify right now, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to a promise. 
You are a seed of Abraham, a part of a promise that has been fulfilled, not just through one person, but through many generations. You are a legacy of faith, right? Multiplication, not addition, church family. You have no idea what God can produce through a single seed planted in faith, right? And what about the song, right? Sing it if you know it, right? Father Abraham, right? Have many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. Come on. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, turn around, whatever, right? You get the point. I don't know the rest of the song, but anyways, you are a seed of Abraham and a fulfillment of God's promise to him. And if, Abraham, if God can do it for Abraham, why can't he do it for you? Oh man, come on, church family. If God can do it for Abraham, why can't he do it for you, right? If all you ever want for God to do is to simply meet your expectations, you'll never give him the chance to exceed them. Right? You have no idea what our God can produce through a single seed planted in faith. Abraham was thinking of a son, but God was thinking of you and me. And we can never measure God's unlimited power by our limited perspective and expectations. Right? We've got to get out of our tents and gain a greater perspective, God's perspective. Right? So what tent are you in right now? What is limiting your perspective of what God wants to do in your life? And maybe for a lot of youth or the younger generation who are here today, Maybe your tent is that little demon-possessed screen that you are constantly behind. Right? Maybe that's your tent. Come out of the tent and see the wonderful things that God has for you that goes beyond what's right there on that screen. Or right, maybe your tent is a relationship you know you shouldn't be in. Get out of that tent. Or maybe your tent is a lifestyle or a habit that is keeping you from seeing that exponential growth, right, and blessing that God has for you. Whatever it is, hear me, church family, get out of your tent and see what God has for you. Yeah. Right, like Craig Rochelle's story, one free Bible when he was in college, right, multiplied into over 330 million free Bibles given away. Right, what about you? What one prayer prayed could change your family, which could then change a generation and so on. Or what one gift given may impact a life. You may not see it today. It may take weeks, months, years for that seed to take root and produce fruit. But one gift given can initiate an explosive growth of spiritual growth in someone's life. Right? God can multiply and give back into your life whatever you've sowed, whatever you've planted. Right? It may not happen immediately, but you have no idea what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. Right? This is a message for those of you who have lowered your expectations of what God can do in your life. God may not do exactly what you want in that moment. That's true. We see that all the time. Right? But God is still working all things to bring out about good for those who believe in him, for those called according to his purpose. 
Do not grow weary in doing good, for you will reap a reward if you do not give up. Unless a kernel is planted in the ground and dies, it will only be a seed. But if you die to yourself, there could be many impact and change by one life given. Right, those aren't my words. Those are the promises of God that we read throughout Scripture. Right, those are His words. And maybe you're here and you feel like your faith has run out or it's very dry, right? You still believe in Jesus, but you're, man, you're hanging on by a thread. You would, you would say, my faith is very small right now, right? You're hurting, you're weary, you haven't seen God work in your life in a long time, and you're thinking to yourself, how much faith do I still need in order to see God do a miracle in my life? How much faith do I still need to see him work and move? Well, let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, right, you can say to the mountain, be moved, and it will be moved, right? Even if you have the smallest amount of faith, and get this, right, it makes me think about the disciples, right? And all of the times that Jesus would turn to the disciples and say, oh, you of little faith. And I wonder if that was less of a rebuke and more of an encouragement, right? Where the disciples were like, man, my faith is so small. Jesus was saying, good, that's all you need. That's enough. And maybe you're here today and you're like, man, my faith is small. Good, that's more than enough to see God move in your life, right? It's not a rebuke, it's an encouragement. Hold on to that faith. Don't give up. You have no idea what God can do through a single tiny seed planted in faith. So if you've started to lower your expectations of God, understand this, God's promises are true. And you don't need to hear that just from me. You need people in your life who will tell you that over and over again. Right? God's word is alive and his presence is with us today. Right? We serve a God who can do exponentially, or the scriptures say exceedingly and abundantly more than what we could even ask for or think. Right? That's the promise of God. Right? So don't stop asking, don't stop believing, don't settle without expectation. But expect God to move and see him exceed those expectations in your life. Amen? Worship team, you guys can come on up. And as they're coming up, would you just begin to reflect on the message? And would you just begin to pray with me right now? So if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. All right, this is a moment. For some of you, this is an Abraham and God moment. Where God wants to take you out of your tent and show you something beyond what you could even expect. So enter into that place right now. And Father, I ask that right now as we're in this place, I ask that you would speak to us. If you can do it for Abraham, you can do it for us. Even in the tiny faith that we have, in this moment. You can do it for us. God, speak to us. Would you inspire and encourage us this morning, God, 
beyond the words I'm saying, God. We need your encouragement this morning. Speak to us. Build our faith, God, to believe that what you want to do in our lives is exponentially more than what we could even imagine. Help us to believe that today. Right, right where you are, and again, don't just dismiss this moment as another end of the service kind of thing. This is an opportunity for each and every one of us right here in this place. Right, so right where you are, ask God, where have I lowered my expectations of you in my life? Even if you feel like you haven't lowered your expectations, ask God anyways. And if you expect it, I believe God is moving right now all across the room. God, give each one of us a picture of what that looks like, how we've lowered our expectations. And ask God, what tent do I need to come out of? What tent do I need to come out of? Or how does my perspective need to shift? God, speak to us in this place. And as we're praying, as our eyes are closed, as we're in this space of reflection and response, I just want to talk to a couple people for, for a moment. Right? Just stay in that place of, of reflection, of prayer, asking God to speak to you. Right? But to those who've been believing in God for a long time, but you haven't seen those promises fulfilled, would you just take a moment and would you raise your hand? Because I, I just love to pray for you right now hands are going up. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. And Father, I pray that just as Abraham and Sarah waited over a decade, and I know for some here, they've been waiting that long or maybe more. But God, I pray that our faith would not just be in what we want, but our faith would be completely in you and in who you are and what you have for us in your perfect timing when it's right for, for it to happen. God, would you help us to put our faith completely in you? And God, would you give us the courage to keep waiting when others would say, move on? That takes courage, God. Would you give it to us? Give it to us, God. You can lower your hands if that's you. And for those of you who feel like you, you, you're settling, right? you've lowered your expectations of what God can do in your life, 
but I know you're still holding on. Right? You're still looking for what God is going to do in your life. You still want to put your faith in him. If that's you, then I want you to raise your hand as well. Right? You've lowered your expectations. You've settled. Right? Just raise your hand. Again, hands going up all across the room. I want to pray for you as well. So Father, I pray that you would encourage these right now. Encourage them in their faith that they have right now, even though it seems small, God, you are looking at them and you're saying it's more than enough. I can work with that. Would you encourage these right now in your name, Jesus? Encourage them to hold on to that faith and not forsake it or to not look down upon it. Encourage them to tell the mountains to move again. Encourage them to tell sickness to, to go away again, for chains to fall off again. Encourage them right now, Jesus, right where they are. And God, I thank you for a church full of people who are still wanting to hold on and say yes to you. I thank you for this church. And as they continue to hold on, God, I pray that you would pour out your favor and your blessings on them. As they continue to activate their faith, however big or small it is, would you encourage them and show them that you're always there, always moving, always working in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You can lower your hands. And finally, some of you are here today, or maybe you're listening online at a later time, but God brought you to this moment for his purposes, not by accident, but for his purpose, right? And to show you that life with him is far better than life without him. And right now, God is inviting you to live life with him and not without him, right? For some of you, you've never made that decision to become a follower of Jesus, to say, God, I am yours, you are mine, I am with you, I'm a Christian now. But today, God is saying, Today is the day. Today's the day. Because like, like a seed that is planted in the ground and then must die, but then sprouts new life. Jesus lived and he died and he went into the grave. And by that action, he activated new life for everyone who would have it. And today God is saying, if you want that, it's yours to take. Just believe. So if that's you and you want those blessings of God, right now, would you surrender your life to God? Would you surrender your life to Jesus? And if that's you, I just want to help you do that by simply saying uh, just a, a short prayer. And what I want to do is, I know most of us are followers of Jesus, but hopefully we know people in our lives who are not following Jesus. So as I pray this prayer, would you activate that faith and would you pray it on their behalf? Would you do that with me this morning? All right, so everybody just say this with me. Jesus, I have sinned against you and I need your forgiveness. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. Use me to reach people and to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Can we all stand together? And if you said that prayer for yourself for the first time, uh, please don't keep that to yourself. Uh, come and let somebody know. Right? Maybe it's just the person sitting next to you who brought you, or maybe it's one of our, our, our pastors, somebody leading worship on stage, but don't keep it to yourself. Tell somebody about it because we want to celebrate with you. We want to welcome you into the family of God, and we want to help you and walk alongside you uh, in this decision that you made. Uh, but finally, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to the message today by taking communion. Right? Jesus broke his body and he shed his blood for you so that you could be a part of that promise that God made to Abraham thousands of years ago. Right? Jesus gave everything so that you could have that new life and so that you could be a member of the family of God. And so as you take communion today, would you remember Jesus, but would you also remember the promises that God always answers? And would you remember and believe that God will still answer the promises that he has for your life today? Right, so I'm going to say just a quick prayer over communion. When I'm done, you're welcome to go back and serve yourself. Uh, take your family with you. Take some friends with you. Um, but just take a piece, dip it in the juice, and, and remember Jesus today, today. Share the gospel with one another today. And then when you're done, come back to your seats and we're gonna close with just one more song of prayer. Amen, let's pray. Or I'm sorry, one more song of praise. and Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the work that you've done in this place. We thank you for the work that, that you're continuing to do in each of our lives. And though we might not see the fruit of it yet, we still believe that you are working, that those roots are growing in our lives and you're preparing us for something great. And I pray that even in the final moments we have today, that you would continue to revive expectations. Continue to breathe life into those dreams that may have died long ago. Help us to hold on to that faith that you still answer prayers and that you still fulfill promises. And Jesus, we thank you that you died on the cross for us so that promises would be fulfilled in our lives. We thank you for that this morning. We say all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You're released to take communion. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.